0: Yeah. So in terms of your single family strategy, am I right to assume that like your goal there is to just um, hold them extremely long-term? Like it's something that you're just looking to create some wealth generation for the family and just have these properties that you kind of hold long-term. They're not meant to be transacted or to turn around, like you you just buy and hold.
1: You're, you're absolutely right. Although uh, that doesn't mean that I have not exited it. I of did course, exit yeah. my multiple properties because it made sense based on the amount of how much time I was putting in and how much return it was giving me.
2: You are listening to the Savvy Real Estate Investor Show, the podcast dedicated to empowering you to invest for your family's future. Listen in to learn about different strategies successful investors use to live their best lives. Whether you are starting out on your real estate wealth building journey or a seasoned investor looking for the next unfair advantage, this is the show for you. Each conversation will help you be more savvy when it comes to understanding how to leverage real estate to achieve your goals and live an extraordinary life. Your host is none other than seasoned investors and power couple, Jose, and Khadija Jafferji, founders of the Savvy Real Estate Group, where we have been helping passive investors grow their wealth and getting them one step closer to financial freedom since 2008.
0: Hey, fellow Savvy Real Estate investors. Thanks for tuning in today. We have Anjesh uh, Dubey on the show today. And Anjesh is joining us from the sunny San Francisco Bay Area, uh, where I would probably like to be right now. Uh, He is a... uh, Interesting. He's got an interesting background because he's a tech professional, uh, working in, I'm sure, a high, uh, sort of stress, high profile industry, which is, uh, the tech industry down in Silicon Valley. Um, and, uh, but he's also a real estate investor, which is why he's on the show today. Uh, he has, uh, a, a, an impressive track record, um, you know, managing, uh, properties both as a GP and an LP, and they have accumulated several hundred units, um, it's, you know, obviously he's got a story as to how he started in real estate, what kind of investments he first started with and really what led him into this multifamily space of syndications and. You know, I'm sure started with uh, more of like an LP and more of a passive investment, but now he's also made it more of an active investment, uh, being a general partner on several of his uh, own deals. So um, I'll let you tell us a little bit more about that and how you juggle all these different things. So Anjash, thank you so much for being on the show. Um, maybe you could tell our listeners a little bit about your background um, and you know what you do for your daytime living and uh, what really motivated you. I mean, I, I you know you work in tech, you work in Silicon Valley, uh, what motivated you to even think about starting to look into an alternative stream of income or, or real estate as an investment?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thanks for an amazing, amazing uh, introduction and thanks for having me here. Really great to be here. Um, yeah, I, I work as a tech professional here in San Francisco Bay Area, as you mentioned, and that's my day job. But how did I start in the real estate? Uh, that for that I have to take you back in the past, really, because uh, as we all know, it's it's uh, is real estate investment is not super straightforward. So how it started for me and my wife is back when we were very young. Uh, so for for myself, when I was really young, uh, my grandfather, when I now I reflect back, he was actually a multifamily operator. So he had this big apartment building, Uh, he rented a 15 unit, he lived in one and he rented 14 others. Now, when I look back, I'm like, what I was observing there was that, that apartment building and the rental income from there, what what he getting was supporting his retirement. So he was like traveling around, visiting us, visiting his grandkids, visiting his uh, other cousins and uh, and going all around um, in the country. And I'm like, how he's able to do it? And really, he was getting his mailbox money, no matter where he is, he's getting that rent and income. So that really put a pointer in my mind. And I didn't think much about it. But when I grew up and uh, I moved to the United States, I I grew up in India. And when I moved to the United States, um, after my studies and all that, when I got my first job, me and my wife saved enough. And the first thing we did was a real estate investment. And we bought a land. And now we think of it, we didn't run any numbers. We didn't do any cash on cash. I didn't understand any really metrics on around it. Like what is IRR? What is, what is this? Uh, we just like, Hey, we got to buy it. And we didn't even think about it. Like, why are we buying it? Like, like, Oh, everyone buys real estate because that's how you build wealth. And uh, from there on, like every couple of years, we, uh, saved enough, did it again. Saved enough, did it again, and that's as we have been going doing it for the last fourteen years. And from there, then uh, we moved on to the multi real estate. So yeah, that's like I wanted to give a background story on how that mindset allowed us to be. We didn't go through any coaching or anything, or any okay. real estate courses or anything, because like it was just the how we grew up. We we're like we were always interested in the real estate.
3: No, yeah, oh, that's, that's amazing. amazing.
0: And so, yeah, I have a question about that. Um, You started with land. So what do you mean by land? Like it was just a, a raw land and, and what were you going to do? Were you land banking or were you going to develop it? Like what was your plan? And then the subsequent properties after that, were they all land as well?
1: Yeah. Great question. Yeah. So uh, with land, I think again, as, as I grew up in India, the land is most valuable part there. Uh, uh-huh. So that appreciates like crazy there. Uh, it's the other way around. When you build something on it, it depreciates in value because uh, in general, like over here as well, when you have something, it has a depreciation, but it's even higher depreciation in India. But if you have land, that is hard to come by. So when I was growing up, if my dad, my grandfather, they are always looking for like land somewhere and and then just leave it alone like that. And then maybe build it or just sell it uh, like years later because it has appreciated. So like, that's how I understood it. And that's, how I'm like, okay, if I, I want to do a real estate investment, probably just buy a land. But when I did that, I'm like, mm, that is not cash flowing. It's not giving me yeah. anything. Yeah. It did appreciate for sure. And I still have it like 14 years later, I still have that land, And that's like now six or eight X now uh, in, in price if I sell wow. today. Um, but, the, we didn't do anything but now there is like a giant community around it all the houses have been built so i have this just one land piece and nothing on it but everywhere else is like a giant community uh and then because of that now everybody wants that and because of that it appreciated it. but where from it? there it's in india actually that's right where my family lives uh, oh, I in, see. in uh, okay. and then the state is called uh, madhya pradesh so oh, i see okay yeah yeah
0: that's, oh, very that's interesting. So cool. Yeah. <laughs> I've never heard of anybody who started with land. So you're the right. first one. But, uh, you know, it obviously worked out for you.
1: Yeah, d- definitely. And from <laughs> there, I think uh, we're like, okay, I, we need to get back into the cash on cash kind of thing, like, which something buy something that produces cash. And that's when we started investing in right here in California. And uh, from there, it was all condos, duplex, triplex, single family homes. And then we expanded ourselves to uh, multiple states as well remotely.
3: Yeah, so tell tell us a little bit about your journey through, like, you know, what you learned through. Uh, I'm assuming you were self managing some of these smaller properties, duplexes, and uh, single family. What were they? Kind of just get an idea on the price point and and how much income you'd get, um, and what kind of made you go and look at other states.
1: Yeah. So I, I don't manage self-manage any of these really. Uh, so we I we always believe in that it, in, in our time. So if if we assumed that if we're going to expand further, we need to have a professional property management team. Okay. And no matter where it is, we just hire a good property manager. I vet them, personally meet them and try to find out how, what their track record is. Uh, and sometimes, if they don't work out, then also change uh, the property manager uh, accordingly. Uh, yeah, the certain criteria I think for California is a little different compared to when you invest outside of California. Uh, California is a pricier state, as we all know. So over here, it's more about uh, breaking it even. That means that if my all my expenses, including Uh, Mortgage uh, and all the other expense costs is covered by the rental income, is good enough uh, because of higher appreciation in many years seven to 10 years uh, it brings and adds value and adds to your uh, net worth. But if I'm investing outside of California, then I'm looking for a more higher positive cash flow. And that's something seven to 10, I mean, a few years ago, up to seven to 10% cash on cash return. Uh, if I'm investing hundred thousand of my, uh, then I'm looking for seven thousand to ten thousand a year in in cash flow uh, wow. after paying all expenses and everything. Uh, so yeah, that's that's how we we ventured out as uh, California continue to be get pricier, so the entry point is getting harder and harder, and uh, the cash flow is going keep going down. And at the same time, we wanted to have some some positive uh, cash flow.
0: Yeah, right. you sound like our investors here because yeah. <laughs> Toronto is exactly the same. So, um, yeah, yeah, exactly. We, we went through the same exact journey like when we started investing in 2009 to 2012, when we were aggressively, you know, really starting and buying single families. It still made fundament- some fundamental sense. Like you could still cash flow a few hundred bucks and like things were okay, right? Um, and now, then, yeah,
3: and then we switch to duplexes. Yeah, duplexes
0: because again, you're you're getting strapped with the singles, right? So like, okay, maybe two units is going to create some cash flow, but yeah. now here in our market too, especially with interest rate changes, I mean, either the interest rates are high or the prices are high, one of the two, right? So it's all, yeah. it all it all at the end of the day the cash flow is not there. Um, so it, it, it's definitely a tricky market. And I understand that. So that's why even here, I think our listeners, a lot of our Ontario listeners can relate in that you have to start seeking opportunities outside of your home, because exactly. fundamentally, based on your investing goals, it just doesn't make sense, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. And I really much later, I uh, found out a quote that, I don't know, somewhere that hey, uh, live wherever you want to, but invest uh, where it makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. And I didn't know, know about that code at all, but like how we transitioned from like California and then we're like, hey, it didn't make sense. Let's start looking at somewhere outside. Even though it's remote, it's risky because we can't see property, what's going on. But mm-hmm. we ventured into that risk here and took that risk. And I'm glad that we did because that gives us a lot of uh, experience, uh, uh, lo- connected with a lot of many people and then also diversified across different markets uh, because each economy is a little bit different if you go
3: yeah so tell us tell us what what state you chose and why why that specific state um, after you left investing from in california
1: yeah so some i always had some criteria and then I'll do them some spreadsheets and all that like we'll look at it uh, Uh, census data population, where are people migrating, where it has been growing, uh, what are the areas has good schools, uh, where does families want to, would like to live, uh, what are the appreciation has been in the past 10, 20 years for certain areas are uh, how much the uh, community's average income is and what their rents are so that we can correlate that whether they will be able to pay this rent or not. And what is the, how are they keeping the properties? Like talking to property managers, hey, in this area, do you see a lot of uh, uh, high cost of turnover when they leave, or do you find it that when they leave, the property is in relatively good condition? So that Mm -hmm. allows me to find out at what price point I can go in and if I can seek a, a certain return or not. So because of this criteria that I created, a lot of states qualified, like back in 2014. 16, 17, when I bought these properties, and like in North Carolina, uh, Charlotte, uh, Kansas City, Michigan, uh, uh, Dallas, like all of that uh, started making sense. That's where people are going. That's where people want to live. It's still affordable. Uh, pricing is still cheaper compared to California. And then it still can cash flow. So these criteria allowed us to invest a little bit, uh, keeping it ourselves conservative and uh, also pick a good areas and neighborhoods.
3: Oh, that's excellent. Um, so were you buying again, single family homes in these areas and, um, and uh, maybe give us a kind of a breakdown of a, uh, well, the last deal that you did uh, with uh, buying it as a single or duplex.
1: Yeah. These were, these were the smaller units. Yeah. So all of the, from single family to quads, uh, all of okay. these were. And uh, uh, last I bought it was in 2021 um, in, in Raleigh, North Carolina, and uh, multiple of those, uh, it, it made sense at that time, uh, the appreciation and the uh, a lot of the good neighborhoods and a lot of tech professionals were going there as well. A yes. so mm-hmm. lot of uh, population increasing in that area. It has a really good universities as well around, so a lot of uh, good education hub there. Um, and then it... And I found a really good property manager there uh, with, the, with, the, with the help of the broker that I worked with. So I network around like, hey, I get a broker and then found out uh, referrals from there and then get a property managers, and then ask property managers like, hey, who are the vendors that you work with? And then mm-hmm. I met those vendors. So just like connecting dots from there. And That's then right. you, have a, you have a team built right there. Then mm-hmm. you have a broker, you have a vendor, you have a property manager. And now, even though you are remote, it's fine, right? You can call them up, it's like, hey, something problem, or this is not happening, or am I getting this notice? Like they will take care of it for you. And now you build a relationship from there over the years.
0: For sure. Yeah, I know that's um I, I I see that you're a very sort of methodological person. Like you, you sort of work in a very, um, you know, thoughtful way, and and I think that's really great. And I mean, it's it's interesting. So you're you were still buying like up until last year. Um, and what were these? These were like single family homes. Fun, he said. yeah, quads, Sorry, quads.
1: quads yeah, yeah, yeah. These are like single families to quads. Uh, the, and and uh, been buying till 2021. So not last year. Last year I ventured. Uh, completely in multifamily. Uh, right. Once I noticed well, that this is more scalable uh, mm-hmm. way of doing things, what I've been doing so far.
0: Yeah. So in terms of your single family strategy, am I right to assume that like your goal there is to just um hold them extremely long-term? Like it's something that you're just looking to create some wealth generation for the family and just have these properties that you kind of hold long-term. They're not meant to be transacted or to turn around, like you you just buy and hold.
1: You're you're absolutely right. Although uh, that doesn't mean that I have not exited it. I did exit my multiple properties because it made sense based on the amount of how much time I was putting in and how much return it was giving me. So I exited some of those properties. But really, you're right that I believe in a perpetuity model that just buy it and then it Brings, uh, really, the time is is uh, really of the essence. Is like buy early and then just keep it forever. And then as long as you don't have to put time in there, uh, it is. It has infinite return, right? Really. So here is an example. Like I bought a property in twenty fourteen in California, uh, put hundred thousand dollars of cash and twenty five percent finance, twenty five percent down, and seventy five percent finance. Uh, fast forward. Six years later, it appreciated enough, I did a refi, took out a hundred thousand back. I have no capital in there now involved in there. And then it is mm-hmm. cash flowing. So even if it's giving me one dollar positive, that's an infinite return because I do not have any capital in there. It is I have taken out that money and invested in other places, right? So and that is making money now, and this property is just like just there and adding adding value on its own without having me anything in there.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We call it the burr here, right? Buy yeah. rent refinance or buy renovate rent fee finance. Yeah. Um, and then keep and it. Yes. Yeah. 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 And, and then long term it just uh it it creates wealth uh just by just by sitting there, right? And and the mortgage pay down and the appreciation. If you're if you, you know if it is appreciating, it's just a, you're right. It's absolutely wonderful. So yeah, so I mean it, it sounds like things were going good. You were diversifying, you were picking other states, you were able to get you still be able to manage your own time. So you had property managers doing a lot of the legwork. What made the switch into thinking, okay, like now I need to go into multifamily. And obviously it's a completely different beast. Um, It's a completely different model. And uh, there's a lot of different learning that's involved there. So tell us how you made that transition. Uh, What, you know, what did you join a coaching program? Did you educate yourself in some way? Did you somehow connect with somebody who was doing this? Um, And how did you kind of make that transition?
1: Yeah, it took, it took some time for the research to make that decision, really, uh, because we looked into it that, hey, we have been doing this. And in 2021, we did it quite a bit. And then I exhausted uh, ours, myself so like, wow. And then it's not that I added a quite a bit of units in terms of the doors and rent. It was like nine to ten units. And then I'm like, OK, that took me an entire year to just do that. Um, but that's not scalable. Like I can't like, because I'm doing search, I'm doing financing, um, closing, and I'm assuming property these,
3: man- these properties, they, they were they hundred percent owned by you or did you still have? Like small partners on them?
1: No partners, just
3: no partners. Okay.
1: Yeah. So just myself and my wife, and then we did everything. And then from, there are so many steps involved, right. From like finding property to closing and getting a property manager is just like uh, quite a bit of a work. And because of that, like, hey, if you want to continue, then me and my wife talk and sit down and like, if you want to continue doing this every year, we want to make it scalable. Like, this is not scalable. This is taking, started even researching and like after till property management, okay, yes, I'm free. But till up till that point, that's a lot of work as well. And then we need to be able to make it scale faster. So like, how are other people doing it? And then also we started looking into that, how we can utilize some of these tax benefits because, because of my Google searches started popping me up like, Hey, you have a good tax benefits and multifamily. I'm like, what does it mean having a tax Mm -hmm. benefit and investing in multifamily? Mm -hmm. So that's really attracted us because one of the problem living in California uh, with working in tech professionals is like, we live in highest state income tax uh, in the United States. And along with federal tax, we are in a high tax bracket along with other people who who lives here um, in our family and friends. So we started looking, hey, how does multifamily investment can solve this? And in the same year in 2021, we started like, okay, let's try this as a limited partner, investing it with someone. uh, How does it work? And then we did that uh, multiple times with multiple sponsors and uh, it started giving us a really good tax benefits. Like, wow, it is generating a really good cost segregation depreciation for us that can minimize some of these uh, future gains. Uh, It's like, okay, this is a total new area that we have not explored in the past, let's do it. So we took our time, six to eight months, did quite a bit of a research, and then we realized that we cannot go this in this alone, like by ourselves. This is a large step that yeah. needs to be done with some guidance and with some coaching. So that's when uh, we joined a mastermind that uh, helped us uh, into pushing us in the direction that we wanted to go and like, hey, how does this entire model works? How you can actually purchase a large multifamily apartment building along with working with the different investors and, and operators. So that was really useful and that's how we started into it.
3: Yeah, no, that's, that's amazing. And so when you invested in the, uh, as an LP, a limited partner in, as a passive investor, um, what were some of the, you know, uh, I would say benefits of doing that versus, and what made you switch to, Hey, uh, you know what, let me look into being a general partner now.
1: Yeah. So as, as I mentioned, I think that is in, in, in relation to our interest, and mindset, right? As I told the story about how we are like deep into the uh, real estate. And then first thing we did was buy real estate and land. Uh, we always wanted to be active in real right. estate. So the passive gives us a good experience, like tax benefits and like, okay, freeing our time and everything. But then our keen interest towards being actively involved in them, we are like, hey, if if we are passively investing it, we understand this and we want to be also actively involved in it because we are good that uh, in this experience and skills that we have achieved in the last fourteen years working remotely buying so many properties. Why yeah. don't we utilize our skills and experience to actually become active in buying large, say, multifamily apartments? It's not right. too much different. It's just a little bit more. And yeah. but but you are not doing alone. So we are like, okay, this model makes complete sense. We are not by ourselves. There are a lot of people involved. Uh, we can leverage their expertise and then bring our expertise to them what we are good at it. And we are like, okay, this is a win-win model. It's not a zero-sum game anymore. And, and that makes total sense for us. So it's like because of our interest, we move there.
3: Right.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. So, um, I mean, talk to us about what it means to be a general part. Like in what capacity are you guys operating? Are you bringing capital to the deal? Are you finding the deal? Are you helping to manage the asset? Um, what role do you play in most of the deals that you are involved in?
1: Yeah, so we started with uh, uh, finding out how to vet operators, uh, what what uh, deals they have, uh, what risks are associated with it, and what areas they are in. So pretty much utilize the same skill set that we had before in buying single families, and now applying it to the uh, vetting the operators who has already has a deal and they're in a contract, or they are looking for. Once we go from there, uh, we're like, hey, this deal makes sense, this location makes sense, and the value that we are going to do in this uh, makes sense, we we are agreeing with your business plan, then we uh, raise capital for them. So in the last year, 2022, we raised uh, capital for, for multiple operators, and once it closes, then we got into the uh, management part of it where uh, the team is working with property management, and we got on the uh, asset management calls uh, regularly to find out what is going on. And then we utilize that information to pass on to the investors to say that, hey, here is the stuff that we did so far. Uh, if you have any questions, and sometimes they do. And then we bring back to uh, to the uh, general partner team and uh, answer get answers for those and then relay back to the investors. So that's right. the role that we are playing.
0: Yeah, for
3: sure. Yeah. And my next question was about, you know, the way this market is changing, right? Uh, In the last, uh, say, 10 months or so, when interest rates started to hike up, how has your, um, when you were raising capital for, as a general partner, um, tell us some some of the challenges that you were faced with and, um, you know, uh, how you overcame them
1: yeah that's that's a super interesting question so i think this is not easy for anyone at this point to like understanding first of all i think for the people who have not invested in real estate before yeah. i think it's even harder to overcome that uh, risk or even uncertainty that's going on to go and up, invest fifty thousand or hundred thousand uh right away into a deal which could be locked down for multiple years yeah. so i think it's more about coaching so it's like if coaching and the goals that investors have, so anyone I talk to uh, now, they know that I invest in multifamily apartments. Uh, they're like, Hey, what are you doing? W- w- how does it work? Uh, what can you tell me more about it? So I always go with like, yeah, I can tell you more about it, but first you tell me what are your goals are like, what is your interest is in? Like, this may not be a right fit for you. If your goals are different, you, your you want your cash to be liquid because you have, uh, a, a wedding coming along for for your daughter, or uh, you have a higher education that you have to spend on on your kids uh, in the next couple of years. This may not be a right fit. But if your goal is to continue to build wealth and uh, keep keep investing, uh, and gives you tax benefits, and that you are not worried about that. Hey, whether this investment, uh, if I when I lose this investment, I'm still fine. I it's hardly happened that you lose in real estate, but even if that happens, I'm really fine. So If your goal is like that, you can take that risk, oh, then I can tell you more about it, right? So I think going with the investors with their goals, like what do they want to achieve it? And then how does this multifamily investment can help them is how I target uh, uh, the investors and help them achieve that.
0: Yeah. And how do you attract investors? I mean, you have a corporate career, so... How do people know what you do? Um, are you um, you know, just just people, friends, family and and colleagues? Is it just sort of word of mouth growth? Um, I know a lot of people struggle with this. Uh, people, I think people who are in corporate careers um because their entire identity is not real estate., yes. they're not always talking about real estate and doing real estate. So it's a part of what you do. But how do you um convey that to people that, hey, this is something I actively do, and this is something that I'm looking to raise capital for?
1: yeah that's a very good question i think you're absolutely right and i've been in the um, uh, uh, corporate culture for like 14 years and plus plus. Uh, and so that's what my identity has been but now what i'm doing is i'm also telling the story of the other side of it because yes i've been in the corporate culture for 14 years and that's what my uh, day-to-day job is but for the 14 years i'm also being a real estate investor right yeah. so what i'm doing is organically telling that story that it's not something that I started yesterday. It's something that I've built the experience and the skills over a period of time in a long time, and now I'm utilizing that experience and the skills to this model. So I'm bringing a value to everyone. Right. and the the reality is that I think the most value that I feel that this this model brings is the tax benefits in, in the and that is not available in really any other. Uh, form of investment, not okay. in stocks, not in even in a single family uh, investment, because you can't do affordable cost segregation there. So yeah. right. uh, that's something is the value that I do word of mouth meeting and organically uh, uh, helping people.
0: Yeah. And it, it doesn't hurt that you live in one of the highest uh, tax <laughs> yes. states in the country. So, <laughs> exactly. um, you know, everybody there is probably so tell us what are the taxes typically in, 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 in California? Like what's the range of taxes you guys pay?
1: Yeah, so we pay at uh, twelve, uh, t- depending on the tax bracket, it goes from ten to fourteen uh, percent, just for the state, and then uh, uh, federal we have another. Uh, it can go up to thirty-seven percent. So if you are in a high thirty-seven. So if you are in a high tax bracket and you're paying the top uh, federal thirty-seven, any extra dollar you earn via uh, via your earned income you're going to pay up to 50 to 52% of your, so you're pretty much $1.50 are gone in taxes and you are left with only 50 cents. So, so we're that, the
0: exact same here. I yeah. think our highest tax bracket is about 40, 45% here too. So yeah, 45, no, 45
3: 40, to 50. 45 to 50, yeah. yeah so we're
0: yeah. people here feel the exact same way. And um, we have high taxes too, our, our HST, which is on all, Purchased goods is thirteen percent, and mm-hmm. uh, our property taxes are. I mean, property our, taxes I
3: would say are not as bad. Not as bad. Not maybe as bad, Yeah, maybe
0: ten uh, percent of of value.
3: Mm, no, more Less. more like three three percent. Really? Yeah, okay, maybe.
0: <laughs> um, I don't know what it is. Well, the it will, uh,
3: I. I guess you know they yeah, maybe they don't 100%. get reset like the way that California does. When you mm-hmm. buy a property, you're basing it on the that's a new appraised value. Correct. Here, it's a little bit lower. Yeah. So that's Correct. the that's the, the advantage. But, um, um, but yeah, my my other question was, you know, you have you've been very very active, uh, obviously in the real estate space. You've acquired a ton of units individually, and now you're doing. Uh, as, a, as a general partner raising capital, how are you able to juggle all of this? Plus you have two kids, a wife, you know, and um, <laughs> to look after. So how are we able to juggle so much um, while still continue to grow?
1: Yeah, it's, it's definitely, I mean, I think it's, it's a lot to do with uh... Uh, I think over a period of time, uh, developing personally as well, along with having I think all the lot of credit goes to my wife as well. So whatever we decide on, uh, we do it together. Uh, if if any any venture we are gonna do it, if any investment we are gonna make, uh, if we are exiting from any investment, like we decide it together. So then we are more efficient. We are not going in and in different directions, it's it's moving it as a single wheel uh, going, marching towards our goals, right? So even though uh, with that, that makes it super easy, but also then we uh, prioritize things. I think that's that's where I think uh, everything comes down to. We have, uh, I believe in, we have a health to take care of. First of all, after that, we have a family to take care of. Then we both have work that we work full time. We have a job to take care of. And then we want to take care of our uh, investment business and our investors. So it all comes down to the priority. For every week, we lay down, what are the few things we are gonna do this week? There are certain things that needs to happen daily. For example, kids are gonna go to school, we have to cook, we have to do a regular chores, that's gonna happen weekly. So that is a site. Beyond that now, whatever the time is available uh, after the work, what is it we need to do? We need to prioritize our health. We need to prioritize uh, uh investment and business. Like what are those tasks are like really drill down to like call this person or uh, do this, uh, write it down and then prioritize in advance one to two weeks. This is going to happen. And then, yes, there will be uh, thrown offs in between because it's going to go sick and uh, you are sick or, or something else <laughs> comes up. Right? So, it, it it throws us out of our target, out of our uh, schedule, but I think what we do good is we come back to it faster. So fail fast, but then come back to it, what you have decided upon, on, and then just march, start marching again in the same direction. So priority, 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 I think that's how we, we want to... Um, lay down our entire week so that week is not driving us. We are driving the week. And I think that's helping us to make, to make things happen slowly, but steadily. I think that's what uh, is my message is like do consistently, even if it's a smaller thing every day,
0: yeah. yeah. No, that's really good advice. And, um, you know, uh, it's, it's a hundred percent true that time expands, right? Like if you give yourself the whole day to accomplish something, that's how long it's going to take you. But when you only have this much time, like you have to go to work. So when you come back from work, you only have what, like four or five hours of productive exactly. time. You give yourself one hour to do it. And you have those key things that you got to do in that hour. Then I think you're absolutely capable of getting them done. If yeah, you give yourself absolutely. the entire week to do it, it's going to take you the whole week to do it. Right. So um, definitely, uh, some good advice there. And yeah, you know,
3: and then you know what? This is a great message for our audience too. That they, you know, you can't give it yourself any excuses, right? Yeah. You, everyone, has a busy schedule, yes. and you know, too many people make the excuse that hey, I'm going to do it tomorrow, procrastinate. Um, you know. They want to watch Netflix rather than working on their business, right? No, and
0: I think because you're a corporate professional, like a lot of corporate people are like, no, no, because I can't do it because I'm focusing on my job. I'm focusing on my career. You can still focus on your career. You're going to make some other sacrifices, like you said, like how much TV you watch or how much time you go out with friends or, you know, how much time maybe you you don't get to go to bed early tonight because you have these things that you have to get done. So you have to stay awake an extra hour, whatever these other sacrifices are. But there's no such thing that just because you're focused on your job, which obviously you're very committed to your job, you've had a long lasting career and still managed to continuously grow this other side of your life or this other side of your, 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 your business. Right. So.
1: Yep. Sense.
0: There, there's no there's no oh i can't do it because i you know and and ultimately like you said like time time fills with 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 you you can fill it with whatever you want but the time's still gonna pass right oh, right so, right um Absolutely. yeah i know that's that's really good so so and tell us i mean um it sounds like you're just getting started. I mean, you just, you know, you just now into this multifamily, and I, I have no doubt you're going to do something fantastic with it. Um, what are your, what, what do you have going on now, and what, what is the next few years looking like for the business? What are you guys, what are you guys cooking?
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So I think uh, this year is going to be different uh, compared to the last few years, as we all know about uh, different economy. Uh, also, I think uh, even a different uh, economy here in California, because this has been a tech heavy and uh, tech technology is having some challenges in terms of economy because uh, the companies grew faster and now uh, it's just facing certain headwinds. So it's going to be different. We are observing everything. We are uh, looking at, at all the data points. Uh, where is the market going? Uh, what are the uh, what are the valu- what's happening to the valuation of the real estate? Uh, But we are not sitting on the sidelines. I am actively looking for finding a next opportunity. And our goal is to be cautious, but not sit on the sidelines. So, uh, Because during the uncertain times, only you have opportunities that you will not ever find, ever. So in 2008, a lot of people sit on the sidelines, but who remained active, they saw the benefit of it. And that's what we got another opportunity this time around. And I'm not, our company is not going to sit on the sideline, but we are going to be very, very cautious. We are going to be very, very strict on our criteria. We are going to be very strict on which asset class, what kind of property, what kind of uh, sponsor, what kind of uh, operators, what kind of property managers we are going to go with. So we are going to vet the entire team very strictly and will only go in if it makes sense for me, my investors and for our company. Uh, And it's based on the values that we have. And if it meets those values, then only we are going to partner and then go ahead with that.
3: No, great answer. And, and, and you know what, it's, it's, it's uh, so true. Like this time you, you gotta be uh, not sitting on the sidelines, but you know, that's a, um, actually there might be some great, great opportunities coming ahead as long as you're conservative though. Cause yeah, it's not like you can just ride out the market where we had uh, last couple of years with yeah. the rent growth. Uh, there's going to be very, very asset management is going to be very key. Operations
0: is going to be key here. You're right. Partnering with the right operators is going to be integral to the success of, uh, now it's going to be an operator's market, right?
1: Yes, it's, you have to not. execute a business plan. Yes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean it's always been about operations, but now more than ever, um, the ones who are gonna come out afloat are the ones who know how to operate these deals, not just because the market has ridden, right? Like in the last couple of years, we we ourselves saw that people were exiting deals and they didn't even do anything to it. And the market just wrote it and you know, to their favor, right? Uh, because yeah. of what the market did. And I mean, that's great, but The market can't be like that forever, so now we're seeing some tougher times, and so um, the strongest are gonna win.
1: Yes, that's absolutely true. Yeah.
0: So yeah, um, I think that you know we're almost at 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 an end here. Just before we wrap up, I wanted to ask you: Is there sort of a quote that you wanted to share with our audience? Something that uh, resonates with you, or something that uh, you live by that uh, is kind of your motto, or a quote, or something you'd want to share?
1: Yeah, I think uh, I would say, um, and I and and the reason is I recently read a book because of that. Like, do do hard things first, Um, and and don't. I know it's it's going to be challenging. Whenever you learn something new, whenever you find something new, it's always going to be hard. Uh, But as you do it, you will uh, reflect back and say like, oh, that was easy. Well, things didn't get easy. You just know more about it. And that's why it feels that it's so always choose that instead of an easy stuff, do the hard things first. And the book name is that I read through is the same, same, same line, do the hard things first by Scott Allen. So it's a really, it's it's exactly about that topic of procrastination that do not procrastinate. Uh, If you decided on like, hey, this is what I want to do. Do not sit on it. Take, take action. Uh, And do a small step, like very, very small. Even if it's minute, minor, you will feel like that you are not making any progress, but you are because you started something and then you started doing something. And whether it means that learning about investing, uh, that, that's in itself. It's, it's a yeah. step.
3: Yeah. And then before we wrap up, uh, there was a question like, is there any specific deals that you're working on right now? Um, uh, currently raising capital for, or is it something you're still... Um, I guess Vetting. waiting for a right opportunity.
1: Yeah, so I'm the very actively waiting for the right opportunity. Not uh, not raising capital for any deal actively, but uh, uh, if anyone uh, to your audience, if anyone uh, hear this, uh, reach out to me directly. I have some good models uh, in the in the uh, works right now that can act. That I mentioned earlier is the perpetuity model, So that I'm working upon on. And uh, this is going to be a really good model that I believe for my investors. So please reach out and I can uh, tell you a little bit more about it in yeah. one-on-one to how how that works.
0: Awesome. So yeah, if people do want to get in touch, we'll put it in our show notes as well. What's the best way that they can reach you?
1: Yeah, the best way is, is uh, to reach out via LinkedIn. I'm very active on LinkedIn. Uh, so LinkedIn.com slash Anjesh Tubeh, all together. Uh, if you can uh, message me, DM me there uh, right away, you'll get a response. And uh, my website is com. Yeah.
0: Okay. Fantastic. We'll make sure we link it in our show notes. So, Andesh, thank you again for taking time out of your, I'm sure, very busy day to come on our show today. Um, I think it was a really, really nice conversation, and I hope we were able to inspire some other folks who are potentially in a position where they're maybe uh, corporate professionals or maybe they're single family investors who are looking for a way to scale. Um, you know, t- people who may want some tax benefits. There's so many things that we talked about, in so many great nuggets. So um, I think that our listeners will definitely get a lot of value from our conversation today.
1: Thank you so much for having me here. I really appreciate your time as well. So I really enjoyed our conversation Yeah, Thank awesome. you. Awesome.
0: Thanks, Sidesh.
2: I hope you enjoyed today's conversation on the Savvy Real Estate Investor Show. Make sure to hit subscribe or follow on whichever platform you are listening to this on. If you liked this episode, please write a review and share it with us. We are getting the show up and running right now, so every message, every review, and every note counts. This show exists to showcase how investors at any level can start using and leverage real estate to become savvy wealth builders. If you want to learn more about how we can potentially help you create more passive income and build your wealth faster, go to www.savvyrealestateinvestor.com. Once again, it's www.savvyrealestateinvestor.com. All right, that's a wrap. We can't wait to hang out with you on the next episode.